Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's, what's going on? We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast 2016. Welcome to another Britflix Fright Fest Preview Podcast. Today I've got with me Isaac, is it Esban? Esban, yes. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here at the podcast. And what film are we promoting? We are talking about The Similars. It's a Mexican film. It's called in Spanish Los Parecidos. English international title is The Similars. Okay, okay. So uh, let's, before we get into any de- details about it, do you want to give us a brief synopsis as to what, what The Similars is about? Yes, of course. My film is kind of like a love letter to the science fiction of the 60s. So it's pretty much like a homage to the Twilight Zone meets Beowulf meets Hitchcock meets Ed Wood, kind of like that. It's a story that takes place in one night in 1968. There are these eight characters who are locked in a bus station in the middle of the nowhere, like five hours away from Mexico City. And they... They are all waiting for a bus to get to get to the city. They cannot get out because of the rain, and the buses are not coming. There's like this huge thunderstorm, almost a hurricane that is being like raining for hours in all the country. So they they start getting like all paranoid about like why what's happening, why the buses are not coming, and you know it's like this classic setup of characters locked in a place because of the rain, kind mm. of like identity that film with John Cusack. However, then what happens is that suddenly they start to discover that they are somehow becoming similar to one of them. Like physically, their faces are becoming similar to the face of one of the persons that is in the bus station. So the paranoia starts to invade them even stronger. And it's kind of like, you know, these this classic sci-fi stories that always have like a, like a political or social commentary behind, although it's only a science fiction movie. So it has like different levels where you can read the movie. It can be like a, just like a fun movie about uh, like a science fiction thriller about people locked in this bus station, and at the same time, it can be a deep analysis on globalization, uh, what makes us being similar, what makes us being the same. That's kind of like what the movie is about mostly. Okay, okay, okay. So when can people see it, Frightfest? People can see it on Frightfest on Friday, August 26th at 10 past 11. Uh, it's in screen discovery number two and uh, i'm really excited because it's our uk premiere the festival had the film has been going to many festivals uh, across the globe it, it started the world premiere at fantastic fest last september then we went to cgs in october we actually won in cgs it was the, the the winner of the award of best latin american movie and then it was in morbido in mexico a lot of festivals uh, then in europe other places 
like Switzerland for, for the NIF, Neuchâtel International Fantastic Festival in Belgium for the beef. It was just in Asia, in Korea for beef fun. But this is actually the first time that the movie is going to be screened in the UK. It's our UK premiere. So if you are curious to see a different, creative science fiction Mexican movie, catch it on Fright Fest, August 26th at 10 past 11. I think it's also a good time for this film. I think this is a good film to be seen at midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's in, it's in Discovery Screen too. Exactly. So you, you wrote this and directed it so we can look at the whole process of uh, pulling this together. Um, uh, you've mentioned sort of the influences, the, the homage and stuff, but sort of the story you came up with then, this idea of the similars, which you alluded to in your description there about how people start to physically take on the identity of one of the characters. Where, what, where did, what compelled you to write that? Where did that come from? Well, I've always been a big, huge fan of, 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 of the sci-fi of the 60s. I mean, not only in, in, in cinema, also in, 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 well, in TV series like The Twilight Zone, or, or like, uh, because I think the science fiction fans should know that sci-fi doesn't stay only in cinema. I mean, it's a, it's like comic books, it's like novels. I'm a big fan of like Richard Matheson or, or Philip K. Dick or H.G. Wells or Ray Bradbury, even magical realism like, like Borges, Cortázar, Garcia Marquez. So I, I really wanted to do something within that, that, uh, that, that range of something that has magical realism at, at the same time it's kind of like a Twilight Zone movie, which in a way, uh, I think what, what the Twilight Zone did great is that there were these stories that were uh, always featuring a very realistic environment, like maybe we are in World War II or maybe we are in, in, the, in, in Vietnam or maybe we are in, in, a, in a very uh, specific political uh, real situation with very realistic characters, very realistic, dramatic moments, like somebody just lost his job or, or something just happened, but then there was like a twist to the paranormal, to the science fiction, to the macabre, to the, to the, to the, to the obscure. So I wanted to play a little bit with that. So uh, I, I wanted to make kind of like my, my, my love letter homage to Twilight Zone because it's something that inspired me a lot. Nowadays, I think, when you when you hear science fiction, a lot of people imagine you know like big special effects and and the world coming to an end and big explosions, kind of like the Transformer movies. And I say, okay, that's science fiction too. But the science fiction I really love is more like the psychological science fiction. You know, it's the kind of sci-fi where you don't really need a lot of special effects. Maybe the story is more contained. Maybe the whole world is coming to an end, but we see through a point of view of a family that is in this basement listening to the radio. You know, so yeah. all this element of the radio, giving paranoia, all that. So I wanted to make a film on, on that, and I also wanted to use science fiction to, to reflect on a very realistic element. You know, I, I, this is my second feature film, so in my first film, uh, The Incident, uh, it's about uh, it's two parallel stories that, 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 that collide. One is about uh, two brothers and a detective coming down a staircase that's only discovered it's an infinite staircase. And then the other story is about a family traveling to, to the road in an empty highway, and they totally discover it has become an infinite highway, right? Yeah. So in this film, they stay in these infinite spaces for 35 years. So in this film, I used science fiction as a metaphor to, to just the concept of time, how time goes by in our life and what we do with our time. So I really like this concept of, of, of 
using sci-fi as a metaphor for a very human, a very realistic element. So in okay, my second okay. film, which, which is the similar, so I, want, I wanted to talk about that, about how to, to, to use uh, sci-fi to talk about what makes us be similar, what makes us be, 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 be unique, what makes, makes us be different, uh, and all that, yeah. With, with, with all that in mind that you've just been discussing, um, in, the, in, the, in the bringing those big ideas together and... Um, what what in the scripting stage for you was the hardest challenge to resolve in terms of storytelling? In the script, I mm. guess the hardest challenge. I mean, I, I cannot talk freely about this without giving too much away on the film. But I'll tell you very briefly that I mean, there's this very cool concept of these characters locked in this bus station, and mm. then there's this very cool concept of they all becoming similar to to one of them, and you don't know why. Mm. However, then there's the payoff. Then you need to actually explain the audience why did why this happened, you know? And mm. I mean, this happens to a lot of screenwriters, like it happened obviously to screenwriters of Lost, the TV series and, and all, where they create such a cool concept, but they get themselves into this mess that, that they, then they don't know how to get out, you know? Mm. So so I guess the, the biggest challenge was how to create a very a very convincing character and a convincing situation to explain what happened to the characters. And I don't, I don't know, you've seen the film, maybe you can tell me if you think this, what, this was well achieved, but that was a big challenge. No, 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 that's kind of, I mean, that's, that, that was kind of the, 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 the essence of how I concluded my review, is that it, 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 it feels like you're in an absolutely bonkers situation and it's hard to make sense of it, but then when you get to resolving the story, it has a logical conclusion. Although it doesn't feel like in the certainly the first half of the movie doesn't feel like you can't possibly make a logical conclusion to this, but then yeah. and then as it goes heads towards the end, you, you you pick up the pieces and then start to join them together, and and it's really clever. It's um, it's it is it's a it's that it's that it's it's a lovely and this isn't this doesn't spoil this is all the setup. It's like it's just that lovely change in um, in pace where it goes from people trapped to something much more sinister going on than being trapped by the weather is exactly, exactly. Is, the, is the lovely change of pace it's almost like it's almost like you said here you go watch one film and then while you think you're watching that i'm going to sneak this other film up on you exactly i mean i i'm i'm glad you you got it like that because that that was exactly my 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 intention. I mean, I really love films that suddenly become another film. You know, that you are watching one film and you think you know where this is going, and then suddenly the film takes you to a completely different road. I mean, and, and that was completely my intention. Although, I mean, in the end, I wanted to close it to, to be all the same kind of journey, but but it takes you on like different paths that than, than what you were expecting. Yeah, that that was planned. So, so in, when 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 you've resolved this screenplay challenges and stuff, what what was uh, what during pre-production for you seemed like the most difficult aspects of what you'd put on the page to bring it to life on screen? Well, I guess on pre-production, what was really hard was to actually achieve the effect of them becoming similar. So you, you know what happens is that, I mean, and this being my, my second film, but it's like the fifth screenplay I've written, mm. all this time I get comments from producers that tell me, man, you, should, you shouldn't be a screenwriter. You should be just a, like a novelist. You should write novels uh, and okay. stories. That's it. Because you know what happens? A lot of screenwriters, they, they write their, their movies already thinking in terms of, of production, of, of how are we going to shoot this. So, for example, if somebody writes a character of a, of a, of a child, 
they would say, of, okay, I'm going to put very few lines spoken by this child because, you know, it's hard to find a child actor, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. However, I, I never think like that. When I write a screenplay, I just, I, just go cra- I just go crazy. I just write whatever I want to write. And then when I get to pre-production, when I have the money to make the film, then I then I was okay. How the fuck are we gonna shoot this? You know. So I mean, <laughs> same same thing happened with, with 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 the incident. I just wrote the script, and then we were in production, and it was like okay. Now we need to find the way to do an infinite staircase and an infinite road. And then the same thing happened with the incident with, with the similars. I mean, the script it was all in great shape, but then we get to pre-production. We sit in a table, talk to the producers, talk to the FX guys, talk to the makeup guys, and we're like okay. How are we going to do these guys to become similars, you know? And uh, I, what I did is uh, I, there were a lot of, of, of tests that we did because first someone suggested we should do that digitally, but, but I didn't want to do it that way because, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of practical effects, and I think you can tell that the whole film is like a love letter to the 60s in the way that even the aesthetic, the color correction, the grading, the music is like kind of something out of a film in the 60s. And then um, if suddenly I put, like, digital faces on the characters, I mean, that's just going to look, like, weird, like it's going to be off, oh, it, right? it would have been horrendous if you had done that. I think, I think it would have like, the worst movie ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, I think the, the practical effects is what keeps, keeps that film together, I think, you know, with everything else. Like you say, the, 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 the aesthetic as it is, without the effects, is, is of a certain kind. So if you'd, have, if you'd have strayed away from practical effects, it would have looked so odd. Um, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, so then we decide, okay, let's do it practical. Okay, how do we do practical? So then we decide to do masks of, of, of this one guy they all become similar to. However, then it was a problem. If you put a mask to the actor, he cannot, he cannot speak very well. You cannot see his, his face <laughs> moving, his expression, right? Course, so then yeah, we said, yeah, yeah. And then we decided, let's do prosthetics. So we actually, we literally did a cast of the guy's face. Then we when then we break the cast into different parts and then we make like okay the forehead the cheeks the nose the mouth something around the eyes and all these parts we put them on the actors and that takes for like like an hour and a half and then we with makeup we tie them so you cannot tell this is prosthetic and then you put the wig and, and the beard and the mustache and and all that together takes like three hours and a half so we did that and then that worked. So, so, but, but I mean, in order to, I mean, I'm telling you this in five minutes, but it took for us like months of doing like tests and tests to, to, to get to this. So that was, that was one of the, of the challenges of, of the production. Yeah. So, um, from a, from a director's point of view, when, um, when you, when you get, when you're preparing to go on, when you're preparing to get on set with it, once you've cast the movie and you're, uh, you're in the process of getting ready to shoot, uh, how do you prepare your cast for, for your, for one of your shoots, are you are you preparing expectations beforehand? Are you waiting to meet people on set to see what the mood's like? How do you get everyone ready for for, for what the kind of shoot you want to achieve? Well, first of all, I, I do like to make some some rehearsals of, of the of the with the actors, mm-hmm. and um, I mean just to just to see that we are in the right tone and that we all know what 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 we want to do. But then also more than the rehearsal, and especially in this movie where it all takes place like in the same location, yeah, it, the, the the blocking was very important. The blocking, I mean, just like blocking the movement of the actors. Right. So I, one week before, the, like four months before the shooting, I had a lot of meetings with my DP and my first AD just to block all all the camera movements. I, I, like we literally draw drew on on a page every shot how we're gonna shoot it. 
because you know I, I mean a lot of times nowadays a lot of directors are like okay I just want to shoot in two cameras and then in the in the cutting room we see how we cut it mm. and and you see I, I I don't really like that because for me for me cinema is more like okay you see an eye opening then you see the camera going through the trees then you see a foot warning you know it's like mm. I always think in terms of montage so I I I made my and and, spe and especially in a film like this which is like I'm like old school it's not really handheld the camera is very controlled so because that's the way films were shot in the 60s so if you're if you're doing a dolly in it's like it's a dolly if you if the camera is coming down it needs to be on a crane so because of these controlled movements we had to have it all really planned so because we had our camera movements really planned then then we had to have the, the movements of the actors mm. really planned so we did a lot of rehearsals on the blocking uh, on to see how they are moving how they are walking or when they fight how do we shoot the fight etc then i mean about the emotion you can rehearse that, but but it's not it's not going to come out as uh, as uh, it's not going to come out as great as it should be until until you're shooting the scene, because you also don't want the actors to if, if they rehearse a lot, you know they lose that that magic spontaneity of the emotion of the scene. So I like to do some rehearsals of the emotion, not so much, just so they know that that okay. It's more like the technical stuff, like where do they stand, uh, that they know the lines, how do they move. But the emotion, I like to keep that for the scene, uh, and and I guess I work different with with each actor. I mean, some actors are more more methodic. So, for mm. example, Cassandra Changerotti, who plays Irene, the pregnant woman, she was really methodic. Like she she she, when she get into the makeup, she doesn't want anyone to see her like this. She doesn't go out to eat. She she likes the the the, the food to be delivered to her. To her like a, like her 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 makeup room mm. and. Uh, and then you have other actors who can be very much like, okay, making jokes, talking to you, whatever. And then when they are on the set, they, they are very mechanical. Just they deliver the, the, the scene. They can cry, they can scream, whatever. Uh, so I, I guess the, the work of a director is to get to know your actors and, and see what, what is the best way to work with each actor. So as this was an ensemble piece, I, I kind of had to, to to find that about each actor and kind of work in a way that worked for for all of them in, in at the same time. And, and and the location you used, what 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 was the how long did that take to create the studio location you did? Yeah, well, that's actually on a studio, and that was also one of the other challenges of the of the, of the pre-production. I was going to say because first we were trying to actually find. Uh, uh, real bus station, but that was really hard. And kind of real bus that you can close for like five weeks—that's like impossible, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. then we decided to actually build on stage, and it was also related to what I was saying in the previous question about the camera, it, because I mean, since we were going to use very controlled camera movements, so we need like dolly, we need like a crane, all that. It's always easier on a set where you can actually move the columns and the walls and all. So we decided to go on a stage. Uh, the whole stage took like like five weeks to build, so we took like five weeks, like more like four weeks to build, then five weeks to shoot, then like one week to take it all out, mm. <laughs> and and that that last week was really sad. I mean, when when I got to the stage and I saw how they were taking everything, I was like, no. 
this is my house, you cannot take this out, you know? <laughs> because I felt like I lived there already. No, but it was really amazing. I mean, we're, we're going to have some, some making of that is going to come out in September when the film gets released in Mexico. And uh, uh, you can see in this making of how the, how the production design was built. It was quite a challenge because uh, we had to, like, um, uh, we had to build a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, all the rooms are there, the hallway, the bathroom, the office, all, all is there. And, and you have, you know, at some point you have rain outside, you have a dog, you have a car. So we, all, all that was inside the stage. So it was like, like four weeks building it. And I just felt like, like a kid with my toys, you know, like I have my rain, I have my dog, I have my kid, my, you know, my special effects, my button that I, I push it in and, and the thunder comes in. So I just mm. felt like a little kid with, with huge toys. But it was also very exciting when, when I got on the set like one week prior to the shooting and I see everything build up. You know, what making a film is actually like building a vision. It's like building the vision of, of, a, of a filmmaker. Mm. And this was like literally there were people like building something, you know, like building my vision. So I also felt like a huge responsibility on, under my shoulders. Like, okay, now, now this is built. And now I have the responsibility of actually shoot a great movie in, in this set. How am I going to do it? You know, <laughs> so it was very exciting. Yeah. Are you are you going to be coming over to Fright Fest for the screening? I wish so much I could go, but you know, uh, I'm trying to find flights. You know, because if, uh, Fright Fest is, is not flying me in this time. I mean, I, I've been to a lot of festivals. I just went to Korea. I went to CGS, but uh, usually festivals can help with the flight, but. Fright Fest uh, is, is different, so I'm trying to look for ways to go, but it's still not confirmed if I will be able to attend. In case I'm not able to attend, I guess I, I mean, uh, uh, your should be my, my, my eyes and ear over there. Maybe well, I'm just going to say, so if I, was, if I was your eyes and ears then, um, what would, um, w without giving too much away, what aspect of the film are you most excited for the UK audience to see at Fright Fest in your film? Well, I mean, I'd be excited because the film is very, I mean, culturally, Mexico is, is completely different than the UK. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not like you say, okay, it's a Mexican film, but it's screening in Argentina, where they also speak Spanish. I mean, it's not like this. This is, yeah. uh, this is like completely opposite. So I, I would be very curious to see what, what they get of the, of the Mexican culture. Also, I mean, the film is, is taking place in a very specific political, historic moment in Mexico, which is in the 60s, in the, in the Tlatelolco massacre, which is when a lot of students uh, make, made a revolt in Mexico City and they were slaughtered by, by the government. It's, it's like a really sad red spot in Mexican history. And, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, how I wanted to make a, a science fiction film within a political, social commentary, yeah. the way maybe so like a... Like the Twilight Zone episode, you, you can see a UFO coming down, and it was actually a metaphor to the Cold War and the Russians. And, and I was like, okay, I want to do that, but in Mexico. So what was going on in Mexico in the 60s? So I came up with this specific uh, idea of the Tlatelolco massacre. So I'm, I'm curious to see if, if people in the UK actually know about that and have heard about that, or maybe they, they don't know about that, but I think the film still works, even if you don't know about that. Well, because, I was going to I mean, say, I mean, we, we, you know, Europe, Europe wasn't, uh, and America for that matter, wasn't, didn't have the massacre element of it but certainly certainly 1968 69 was a period for civil unrest was a was a period of civil unrest around the world wasn't it i mean certainly exactly yeah. close close by to britain in you had pa paris was certainly the students in paris were, were were very active in the in the late 60s so it resonates it resonates as a as a as a as a emblematic of that period even if people may might not get the specifics which is 
the massacre you mentioned, um, which you know, if that if that is something that a Mexican watching it would would get right away, because I mean, just thinking about some of the aspects of the film that that um, that maybe were a little was a little. I mean, it's very specific now. This isn't massive stuff. So, for example, in your movie, the old um, Native American woman who doesn't speak Spanish. Yeah. What's that? I didn't understand the, the notion that she didn't speak the same language. Did I didn't get it? I didn't. It was a. It was. It really sort of. I mean, it was interesting to have her as part of the cast, but I didn't. What What were you trying to represent with her? As well, part of, I guess all 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 the eight characters are there for a reason, right? Okay. So all have some reason to be there. Maybe maybe the student is there to show precisely this idea of the, of the revolt and and. And, and, I, and understood, I, understood, I understood him, yeah. But but the, but the the idea with with the indigenous woman was to represent this connection th that Mexican have with the mythological world. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, of legends in Mexico, uh, horror legends, okay. horror stuff, and, and they, there's like shamans and stuff. But it's like something that comes from the old world, you know. Yeah, so I yeah, wanted yeah. to have like a since I'm do, we're doing this science fiction film, which in the end is very science fiction. I thought it would be interesting to do like a very classic genre science fiction film, but have like a like a Mexican character with a connection to these Mexican mythical elements, and and it's very interesting. She she actually she speaks Nahuatl, which is a dialect nobody speaks that anymore. Yeah. But she didn't want the actress who plays Marilena. She didn't want to just say rubbish, you know. She wanted to actually speak Nahuatl. So she asked me to she asked for me to write her lines, and then she went with a Nahuatl teacher translator. That could make the lines for her wow. now, and that's very interesting because I think maybe no one will ever know that, not even in Mexico. But it's, it talks about the professionalism of, of this actress that wanted to go all the way to get ready for her mm. role, and it's very interesting that I mean this is a, a very Easter egg that nobody will notice, but in her lines she's actually she she has good intentions. She's actually saying. Hey, Ulysses, this is not you. This is not your face. Let me help you. However, in the way she screams and she's yelling, she looks like a witch. She looks like she wants to to do something bad to, to him, you know? So it was kind of like that intention, too, to have like a double double meaning. No, no, it was great. It was great. It was a, it, it, met, it, it worked in the drama. I just wondered why, because it's like you, you, you put us in the same shoes as the as the rest of the cast, because obviously we I had subtitles for all the Spanish speaking. But yeah. said, I didn't get any. I didn't get subtitles for her, and it just. For, at first, I thought, "Oh, the subtitles aren't working," and then obviously, and yeah. then obviously, <laughs> I learned, obviously, I learned that we're never going to get subtitles from her. Um, but you know, you're right. But I must admit, I never felt. I always felt like she was. She was. She was like. Um, I always felt like she was because when she throws the kind of um, the sham, the shaman stones on the floor or dice, whatever it is that she throws, she she uses to make her kind of vision. And when yeah. she starts to talk to um, to the main man, and it's it's um, it feels like she's imploring imploring him, you know. She you feel like she's saying she's trying to shake him to go, come on, it, it's going to be all right. And and obviously he, he he's he's already in a mental he's in a fragile mental state as it is because he wants to get to see his wife, doesn't he? Is he who's who's exactly yeah yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, so it's like the double, he's frustrated at the fact he's stuck, and then he's frustrated because he can't understand the bloody word she's saying, and it's not helping him calm down. Um, but, um, yeah, no, and, and, and I don't know, I don't want to spoil too much, but the, 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 when the film starts to move into people looking, having similar identities to, to one of the characters, it really just, it really is like a turn, at first, 
that 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 change in sort of pace and arguably tone as well in a way because you kind of like I say you you make us watch one film and then you turn it and it feels almost absurd at first you know like it like as like as if it's a joke yeah and then the joke diminishes as the horror of what's happening begins exactly. to take over which is kind of that's a it's it's really neat because it's it's because because was it I was interested in the way that you 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 kind of you introduce people as 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 the cast grows with with no apology everyone's like you know here we come here we come like yeah. I'm not letting the audience have a break here it's like the minute I get <laughs> the minute you you I felt like the minute I was used to what's going on you went right here's somebody else. And until it got to the point where, obviously, it was the full ensemble. Um, until you get to the point where you see the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but in terms of just generally getting, getting comfortable watching it, 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 kept, me, it kept me guessing for, for, for so much, you know, and, it was, uh, and that made it very exciting. And again, because, like you say, because it's coming from a Mexican um, filmmaker and I'm a British watcher, there was all kinds of signs and symbols that I'm not. I'm not even sure whether I knew what was going on or if I ever understood it. But it was like it was so frenetic to keep up with, you know. And yeah, and, and that I, I guess that's what's going to be interesting when when the audience see it in the UK. I mean, I want to see how how they interpret these elements, like what they say on Tlatelolco or what they say about the indigenous woman or or, or all that, you know, all those elements. And and I and I'm, I guess they're going to still be able to to follow the story, but it'll oh, be yeah. an interesting story for them. It's kind of like when I see Under the Shadow. I mean, it's this horror movie that takes place in Iran. I mean, I can tell, I can I, I can follow the story, but I'm very I, I'm even more interested in the film because I'm interested in the context of the Iran Revolution. You know, mm. so I, I I hope people will feel like that about the similars in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's remind people then when they can see the film at Fright Fest. Yes, of course. They can see it on Friday, August 26th at uh, 10 past 11, screen Discovery 2. The similars, and I hope you enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, if, if you see it, obviously we're trying to find the distribution in the UK. We have some people interested, but it will, it will be very, very helpful if, if you like the film and you can spread the word, even like in social network, which is very important nowadays. Just in Twitter, you can, you can tweet hashtag the similars or hashtag Los Parecidos, Mexican title. And you can actually look for a film in Facebook at uh, the similars or Los Parecidos and, and, and share your review with us or, or write your review on IMDb or whatever you want. I mean, it'd be great to, to have some, even if I'm not there, there's, there's now, now ways with the technology to have some connection with the people that saw the film and hear what they said. So, so I hope they, 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 they enjoy it. Nice one, nice one. Now, look, one last question I'd like to ask everyone, because it's uh, Britflix, and uh, usually my remit is to cover British film, and it's only because of Frightfest being such a big British event, and I'm a horror fan, that I get to step outside that remit. So I'd like you to tell me your favourite British horror film or a British horror film that's more contemporary that you, you think has been missed and you'd recommend people check out. Well, I've always been a big, big fan of of, of Ben Whitley. Okay. And, and and I loved Kill List. I mean, talking talking about films that become another film while mm. you are watching them, that film is like it starts like a like a drama, then it becomes kind of like a thriller, and then like in the end, it's a very terrific horror movie. Like some people don't even consider it horror, but for me, the ending of that film is like terrifying. So that's one one film I I, I would recommend. 
I had I had his uh, one of my early podcasts. Andy Stark, Ben Wheatley's producer, came on to talk about Field in England. Oh um, yeah, that's great too. Yeah, and uh, he said that because um, I'm mean, I'm like you, I I love the the sort of change in genre that happens right before your eyes in on Kill List, and um, he said there are people who who actively are angry about the fact that the film. What sorry, I didn't hear that. I was saying, can, you hear, can you hear me now? I hear you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was saying to me that um, there are people who got upset by the change to a horror film in the final act, and they now call these people Act 3 deniers. <laughs> That's funny. It's interesting, isn't it, though, that people sort of impose their own will on yeah. something they're not creating. It's like... It's it's weird to think that you could be upset because something surprised you, as opposed to <laughs> not being upset that it did exactly what you thought it was going to do. Which I, I find I found absurd um, that you, that you could be disappointed that something did what you didn't expect. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a great feeling, and that's one of the things I love about it the most. Yeah, indeed. Well, look, well, thank you very much for um, giving us your time on the Britflix podcast. Thank you, thank you, and yeah, please send me the link, and I will share it in the in the social networks of the film as well. And if you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes. Hey, what's going on? If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we release it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to stream from on the website. This has been a Britflix Frightfest preview podcast 2016. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.